0: Welcome to The Trans Podcast. I am Rosana Longobetter. More than 900 homes were destroyed and over 100 more were damaged in the Marshall Fire that ravaged Boulder County the last day of 2021. While this is a tragic event for everyone who lost their homes, even a fire such as this can lay bare the inequities of our society for those who have already lost their jobs due to the pandemic, for those who are uninsured or underinsured, or for the undocumented, who cannot even qualify for the federal aid from FEMA. The consequences of the fire seem disproportionately worse. Such is the case of the Chavez family, who lost their parents' mobile home where they have lived surrounded by family for over 80 years. Arthur Chavez shares what it means to have lost the homes where five generations of the Chavez have been occupying this land in all Superior.
1: Well, it means a lot. Um, (laughs) So there's five generations that grew up on this land. My great-grandfather homesteaded there, built three houses, and two, all three of those houses also burnt down in this fire, along with my parents and my brother next door, and then my aunt's house was one that she lived in one of my grandfather's houses that that he had built. Um, so five generations of our family's been there since, and we've had, I mean, since the it's been over about 80 years. Over 80 years that we've been on this land, one way or another, one family or another has always been occupying that, this land. Um, so basically, the land it starts from one corner of the block and goes almost all the way down to the other corner where we had. An, I had an aunt who lived there, but passed away, and one of her friends took over her. Her property, but we still consider it part of our family, too. Um, and then the friend next door to, to her. He was just almost finalizing his new house from the flood back in 2013. He just got his new house almost ready to live in and all his house is gone now, too. But as we are a family, we're sticking together and we're going to rebuild it eventually it might take a while. And everybody will be back in their homes, hopefully within a year and a half, we're hoping.
0: So my question to you is, what have you experienced already as a struggle? What are you seeing the biggest struggle that your family is experiencing that you will also think that others are in the same situation, especially us with second languages, with different cultures, with disadvantages, I'm going to say, with structural injustices?
1: Yeah, I see a, a, There's There's a lot of that. Um, first of all, with, we find out that everybody's underinsured. So even though we feel the home's worth a lot more than the insurance is going to pay out, it's because we weren't knowledgeable enough to get with our insurance agent every two years and reevaluating our land and our property and what we've improved. So we basically lose all that because we didn't know that. We needed to do that. So I would advise everybody, you know, from a house to a trailer, always check your insurance every couple years. And it's hard. It is going to be hard for the next year and a half.
0: Arthur Chavez shares what her daughter wrote. Here, My
1: daughter wrote something here, and I'll just go ahead and read this. This place wasn't just a couple of houses. It was the epicenter of our family, the gathering place, the soul of our family. We are incredibly lucky everyone's made it out safe, but they are left with only the clothes on their backs as they ran out of their houses, not knowing if they would see their homes, family albums, or family heirlooms again. These are the kind of people that would give you the shirts off their backs in the middle of a blizzard. And one day my grandma, my aunt, uncle, great uncle and great aunt and dear friend lost their homes in a matter of minutes in the Marshall Fire. If you know my family, you have probably spent celebrating a, ba- a birthday, a graduation, a wedding, or a baby shower in, the, in in their houses. And I remember as a little kid, we'd always have family over for Christmas. It would be 50, 60 people in a house, and it would be an all-day and all-night thing, you know, just celebrating with family. Um, just this past Christmas Eve, we had a few families that we... We got together in my aunt's house, which is no longer there. But we've got at least that memory left there. There's n- absolutely nothing left on this land except burnt down houses and hard work ahead of us to get it cleared off.
0: Elsie Chavez, Arthur's mom, was the holder of most of the family pictures that are now gone.
1: My mom, she was the, the holder of all family Albums, family pictures from my dad's side and her her side, from our grandkids, her nieces, her nephews. I mean, every picture you possibly could imagine was in that house and is no longer there. And that's what breaks my heart, is the history that we won't be able to show our grandkids, our great-grandparents' pictures and stuff, just our memories is all we can give them now. So we ask if anybody has pictures, old pictures of our family, please send them to us so we can make copies and start over again with that. But that's the hardest part for me, is losing that place, is just the memories that are lost.
0: As we drive through the neighborhood, Elsie Chavez describes what she sees and what she remembers.
2: In this area was the Asti home, the Asti No, There's nothing there. We had um, the older homes here. Uh, a little, uh, somebody lived here with, with that help with the pet, little dogs, pet, take care of the little pets. It's gone.
0: Describe to so, me, why is this the old superior? Because
2: these houses were here before. All these houses were here. Well, I shouldn't say all of them, I'll tell you. This house in the corner, when I came to live here, this house was here. This is a new house. There was another, uh, another little house on this side where you're making a left turn. Uh, then the little yellow house over here, there was an elderly lady that lived there, Mrs. Um, uh, Szymanski. And this little one here was the cutest little house. We lived, see where that car is now? That was the first place we, we lived when we came here. And then we had the Ambrose that lived here. The, um, another set of Ambrose lived on the other side. And uh, the Durant's had a house down that way. Uh, it, 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 for me to see this, it's like somebody punching me in the pit of my stomach. Just, and it's just so awful. And you can see, look at all the work that's gonna have to be done to this place. And by the way, my sister said, you know, my, not my sister, but my daughter, I'll tell you, the mountains, Loretta said, Mom, we can see the mountains again, because they were, t- they were starting to build tall houses like this. And she said, look how beautiful we are we, we can see the mountains. Just like when we came, when we were here first time, we see all the mountains. Up in this open field here was a mine. This, it was a mine, there was a mine up there. My grandfather, in his younger ages, worked the mine up here. Wow. and then when they, So that's
0: the reason you are generation after
2: generation? We're just, just, yeah, because my grandfather and my grandma and their kids lived here, which would be my mom and my aunt. They lived here when they were kids. And then the mines closed or whatever happened to them. Mm-hmm. Then the little town closed up. But you still had the houses I pointed out to you they were still here with those people. The Rodales, the Ambrose, uh, the Kufners. Uh, they all would, you know, that would come down this way. Uh, and that's how we grew up with those those kids. And now, it's the, my, It's hard for my kids to see this because they know nothing but old, the old way. You know, not modern. The houses were modern, but, it was, lo- there was a lot of love and uh, in the houses when you came in, you were welcome. I can remember my grandmother lived right here in this house here. And my daddy he would take out his wine and little glasses of wine, pass wine to the guys, you know, and they, they talk about old times. We sat together, we had dinner, mama, and then me daddy and my mom, I don't know if you ever heard them they say uh, uh, jokes called chistes. I don't know, yeah, <laughs> and we would sit down and we'd sit there. We didn't have television. And daddy would sit down and, and he'd tell us little jokes and little spooky stories. And and we passed them down. I passed them down to my <laughs> kids. My kids have passed them down to their kids. My sisters have done the same thing. And if you're not good, you better not go outside. Uh, but they all know those. And then the the muchachos, my grandkids, and and my nephews, every time they got out of hand, they would say, we're going to take you to Auntie Elsie's boot camp. She's going to straighten you out.
0: (laughs) So as we walk in, can you please describe your home, how it looked, how it was, and what you see now? Okay, now it's just a a pile of rubbish, and just burnt
2: things, old memories that are gone forever. Well, they're not gone forever, but a lot of pictures are, are gone that you know we've had of older people. Our grandparents had that. This yeah. is a little shed that we lived. We mm-hmm. lived here. I think it was like nine by twelve little shed or something. Uh-oh. It was a, actually there was a well here. A well here, and that's what we used to live uh, get our water from. Those were my flower beds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and we can are. see a
0: peat pot from here. <laughs> Do you really? that? That's the
2: only one that didn't break or or go from that pot.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And where Arthur's at now is that for these things. Where that was my porch, and we built that porch for Benny because he had Alzheimer's, but he loved to stay outside. So we got that done and fixed for that for him. it came from there up to this part here for that. That's a, the stove in my kitchen, and. Then we had an open patio on the other side, uh, or I shouldn't say a deck, and then the rest of it is I like all concrete, so that he can go outside and walk around and not fall, or you know. So we did all that. It just it did we did a lot of work while he was alive too, so he could enjoy his last days here too. But now it's just metal, metal and. But just I can't even describe it. It's just awful. Yeah. My my son lived in this other one here, over here on the leteri, mm-hmm. and uh, his whole house is gone también. So his wife passed away two years ago. So it was really been hard too because she worked so hard on her yard también. In este lado, right here, and this one over here was my my brother-in-law. My sister lived here. And my grandparents. And when my my uh grandparents passed away, they left the house to Rose Rose passed away and she left the house to her husband and he lived here with his with uh, his son. On the chimney era la casa de mi tía. he built that house too.
0: And the chimney's uh, and, still standing. Yeah,
2: and the chimney's still standing. He my auntie Anna lived there and uh she left her house to her son, and he passed away. And he left the son uh, the house to
0: his daughter. So this that's is what you're explaining to me: is generation, 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 generation after generation knowing the value of land, how difficult it is. Your place and yeah, your home. This, yeah, that's that's why I said it. I have to
2: rebuild. This is this is all I know. You know, my uh, my kids take me other places. I'm not comfortable there in the cities or where there's more houses and stuff. I just, ranchera, I guess. I just stayed in the little Tule's all the time, so. Mm. Well, I've been there, what, 70 years. That's because I'm, I'm going on to be 70 ahora. <laughs> Pero, um, anyways, we moved, we, after we got married, we went to Louisville, and lived in Louisville for a while, and then we came back home. Well, we came back home because we tried to buy a house, and they were having all this thing was that you, if you're low income, they would help you get a house and go look for one and see if you can apply, uh, qualify for it. Well, we either made too much money $2 too much or or $2 under, we never qualified. So we had a, our neighbor in Superior. Yami yeah, Mi abuelito has already made the three houses a, and so they said, vamos a hacer otra casa. Beniz, we couldn't get money to build another house. So we were, we qualified for a mobile home. And so that's what we lived in. And we had, the first one we qualified was a, a 14 by 60. And we had a, a little a kitchen fire in that. So we lived in, like uh, a we lived in a little, little pump house we called it we call the shedder the pump house because we had well water then we didn't have city water we had didn't have uh we were we had to do a yeah septic tank and then we you know from there we got sewer and i mean we we were in heaven you know so that's years and years ago we got that in like what like well in 84 83 something like that or something like in that time around that time it was in the 80s anyways but we thought we were up then
0: <laughs>
2: and uh but during that time uh my grandparents lived next door and so the kids went to school I went to work Benny went to work I got my kids ready to get to school and then we got ready to go to work Benny was already o- off to work and uh we had to stay in the pump house. We stayed in the pump house for like three months. We had a a un, um, a couch, a pull-out one of those bed couches. You pull it out and go. You have a bed, and and then my the, my kids would stay with my grandparents during the night que no se laran. So, but that's how we lived for three months. And then they fixed our place, and we stayed in our, the little mobile then the 14 white. For a couple of years, and then we bought the double wide because we couldn't. Uh, we were a f- we're a family that gathered together, and like I'm the oldest, and I had another sister. Well, we gathered with my in my house, or if it was nice outside, we stayed outside. Pero, For Christmas, we need something bigger. We need to get the family mm-hmm. and and to have a good time and. And not only our family, but our our friends, friends that didn't have family here, around here, that uh, they would come to our house. And they're just like family. So like my son told you, we would always land up with 60, 70 people in a house or, you know. But we we did it and the kids would enjoy it because they would all bring their little kids Christmas gifts and we'd stay up till 2 o'clock in the morning, the kids would open up their gifts all night, everybody had their own little gifts. We'd spend hours opening up tiny little gifts. But we had fun, the kids had fun, they enjoyed it. And then, the well, my kids start growing, but we never left, we always stayed in Superior. And my mom, my grandparents passed away, my mom passed away, and uncles and aunts, but we're still here. And out of all these people, I'm still here, and we still try to gather whenever we can. And like Arthur was telling you, we spent one more, one last Christmas at Carmen's house, Christmas Eve, and there was just a few of us because her house is a small house. And uh, but we enjoyed each other, and uh, now I feel bad because I didn't have it at my house, (laughs) but. But it's okay. We'll have it again someday. Someday we'll all get back together.
0: Someday.
2: But now now it's it's hard for us. It's hard for me. Because my house was paid for. I have to start over again because I'm underinsured. And with uh, the materials and carpenters or whatever, however we're going to do, it's very expensive. And we don't yet, we don't know what the town is going to want let us do. If they want us to if they'll let us put a mobile home in or a modular or if we have to do a, a regular house. So we know that we have to do even with a, a modular, we're going to have to do fun, a foundation mm-hmm. and we're going to have to do real re-wire, uh, electricity, you know the wire electricity wires are going to go underground so that's all new because everything was above us, Uh, our water, everything. So we know we're going to have a big cost. So that's kind of like, it's kind of like, blows my mind. I'm thinking, I'm already
0: up in age. Where am I going to get this money to help? Just like the Chavez family, there are others in the same situation of being underinsured says Abigail Ocampo, who works as a lead bilingual advocate at Sister Carmen in Lafayette. We have
3: a table at the Disaster Assistance Center in um, Lafayette, and some of our staff was there over this long weekend because we were supposed to be closed for Martin Luther King Jr. But I was there on Monday, and I I did encounter folks that were underinsured so they had to apply for FEMA, and again, that's great. And if you are someone who has insurance and is undocumented, you're all you're again left in that limbo where you just don't know where to turn. So, um, we were asking uh, FEMA uh, if they have like any other resources, and it looks like Southern Baptist is there, and they're an organization that helps people in case they're underinsured or not insured. And I believe that Southern Baptist also helps um, our community who might be undocumented if they don't qualify for FEMA. So yeah, I have heard a lot about, I was paying my insurance thinking that I was completely covered. And now that everything in my home is destroyed, that I don't even have a home, my insurance is only paying 60% of what I lost and it's going to take them two years to rebuild my home. And I'm just kind of left with this issue of, should I rebuild my home or should I just take the money and go move out somewhere else? So I think that the people who can will rebuild their home and continue to be settled in Superior and Louisville and our communities who are most vulnerable will be pushed out of East Boulder County. And they will have to move to other counties that might not be so expensive. And we're going to lose a lot of our Latino population um, or our working class because they're just not able to build back.
0: For Ocampo, there are particular barriers for the community, especially to access the help that they need in this kind of situation.
3: After the Marshall fires subsided, you know, people started to ask for help. And that's when a lot of the barriers showed up because uh, FEMA is a federal program and you have to have a social security number. And unfortunately, some of our community members don't have access to that, or they have children that are under 18 or aren't really just sure about how to navigate the FEMA system and they're kind of left in this limbo of, I don't know what to do, is this going to affect a public charge thing, or is this going to get me deported in the future? So a lot of these families have fear about how to access the help, and a lot of these families come to Sister Carmen because they know that we serve without discrimination, And we can only help so much because we have limited funding. So a lot of these families are missing out. Um, And if they are eligible because they're a mixed household status, they're still afraid to get the help because they're not sure about what might happen in the future. So even though um, ACLU or CERC or Boulder Immigrant Legal Center is telling them that it's okay to apply for the help, there's just always this uncertainty about what's going to happen to me in the future. Um, So these families are just kind of, like I said, in this limbo. I recently was um, reading that you need to be patient when you're dealing with your homeowners insurance because they will want you to settle. And policy is so complicated. And if I can just share my knowledge that I learned is please wait. Please be patient. We know it's a long road. And this is why Sister Carmen is here to help you set up in a temporary housing through boulder county housing authority um, or through a private landlord because if we can get you situated if we can get you stable in a home you can wait for your insurance to pay you properly so please please reach out to sister carmen please let us uh, help you get housed in order for you to have the headspace to work with your insurance because we don't want you to settle and then not get the benefits that you are entitled to. Um, And besides that, I also want to say that a lot of the families were working in restaurants and they were undocumented and they burnt down or they were damaged. And these families don't have access to unemployment insurance benefits. So on top of that, on top of not being able to work, on top of maybe having some trauma from the fires, you also don't have access to get paid. And, you know, where do you go? Where do you find another place of employment? If, um, you know, what do you do in these situations? So that's another thing we've noticed too, is that maybe their house wasn't burnt down, but they can't even get insurance benefits for unemployment. So they have to find another job and have to find it quick because a landlord is not going to wait for you to pay. Renters, unfortunately, if their apartment was damaged, the renter is still asking for rent on the first. They're still saying, "Hey, you need to pay January rent," and these people can't even get into their homes. Um, and it's just really frustrating to hear these stories because these these people are completely displaced, and yet they have to pay their landlord fifteen hundred dollars for their apartment. It's just not fair.
0: Back at the old Superior neighborhood. Elsie shares memories of the day of the devastating Marshall fire and reflects on the warning of this devastating fire and its hard lessons. I was looking outside and you could see this cloud like it was just a bad
2: cloud in the sky, on the like it was going to rain or a storm was coming in. And then it would like be it was like gray and then in like white. And Loretta came out and she goes, Mom, did you fall? And the wind was blowing like crazy. And I says, no. She says, I heard something banging. I thought you fell. I says, no. And she goes, I said, but look at the sky, how funny it looks. And she goes, I know it. She says, Mom, it looks like smoke. And I says, no, I think we're just going to get another windstorm because we had had that one big windstorm. So I was putting down all these little knickknacks that I had in my yard, like the wind wouldn't break them. And uh, so Teddy, Ted, my trash can fell and hit Loretta's car. So I was trying to lay it down and Teddy was coming up, his, chasing his trash can. And he said, Ligo, what the heck's going on? Look at the sky. He said, mom, I said, is a bad wind, a windstorm? No, he said, oh, I think it's, there's a fire someplace. Mm-hmm. He says, I'm going to go check. Well, he dropped his trash can to the yard, got in his car. And took off around the block, because there's another road that goes all the way around here to Third Street. And the fire was already coming across this road. And he came back, and he jumped in. He says, Mom, you got to get out now. And while he went to go see if it was a fire, my brother and I went to check on my brother-in-law to tell him, get your important things, you got to get out, we're going to be evacuated. Teddy thinks it's a fire. He says, "Yeah, does look like that." And I says, "Well, I'm gonna go down Carmela's and get her out of the house, cause she's always she's lives by herself. So she kind of just stays in the house and doesn't come out too much." So I could knock on her says, on her window, and she says, "I'm coming." I says, "We gotta evacuate, Carmen. Get the important things." She goes, "Yeah, I got my stuff here." They call. I think it's a fire, Elsie, because I can smell it. I didn't smell it. I didn't smell the smoke at all. So she had this bag, and she says, but I can't carry the bag, it's too heavy. Well, she put pictures of her kids in them, but she'd had it in a closet before. So I helped her take it out, we brought it to the porch, and I told Loretta, Loretta, get up, you gotta get your clothes on, there's a fire, we gotta get out. She tells me, can I take a shower? I says, no! (laughs) So I am hollering at her, and then she came through, she got her coat, and I opened the door. As I opened the door, the smoke and debris, uh, ashes just came in through because I had double doors on this side, on the pet, on the porch. And she and we got out and she went behind and she locked the door. She said, I locked the door, Mom, so nobody can come in. Cause we really thought we were gonna come back home. We really believed we would come back home. And Isalemos <laughs> and Teddy took Carmen's uh, bag and threw it in the truck, and our cars. And we—he put his dogs in the car, and and I put my dog in the car. And Loretta got her car. I didn't even have a chance to get my car. This is—I had the car here. I couldn't even get—I couldn't get in that one to take it. That one burned to the crisp. But see, so you will rebuild. You will, will rebuild.
0: You will. You're so I strong. Them. I can
2: feel it. I have I a strong feel. family too. They're always with me and they're very supportive. They'll, they'll help me get all things done. We'll work together. Yeah. And the community itself, you know, with God's blessing and God's help, we're going to build this thing even stronger and closer. We're going to get closer to our neighbors and stuff. Beautiful. I think this Beautiful. was a some kind of a warning that we need to start loving each other instead of always bickering and fighting with your neighbors or not helping somebody or something, you know. I think it's it's a warning for us to, it's time to do something good for this land and for everybody around us.
0: I think that's our message. That was Elsie Chavez, reflecting on the devastating wildfire and its hard lessons. For KGNU, I am Rosanna Longovete, and this has been a Trans Podcast. The Trans Podcast is made possible with the support of KGNU listener members.